0: Welcome to Fran Path Consulting Podcast. I'm Sam Schweitzer. And I'm Brittany Bodie. And together we are Fran Path Consulting. Hey Sam, how are you today? I am doing well this morning. It's bright and early. I'm at our house in California. So this is normally my 9 a.m., but it's a 7 a.m. today. <laughs> so <laughs> feeling just a little t- more tired than usual. I
1: forgot you were in
0: California and I almost called you at 5.30 your time today, but then I remembered
1: before I hit dial. So I I saved us there.
0: I was up working out. It's a little bit harder to be up that early and then have to work like at seven. So it's a much easier transition to be up at five and then have until eight or nine to work. But- It definitely felt rushed. I realized that I'm only a morning person because I'm slow. And it's totally acceptable to be slow, lazy, and sit around at 5 o'clock in the morning. Whereas at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, then it's like you have things you need to do. You can't be sitting at your counter with a cup of coffee for 30 minutes just staring into space or scrolling on the internet.
1: (laughs) Well, I don't think you give yourself enough credit. I mean, you are up bright and early. I think you're a morning person, but I think you've had to become one because you're a parent and you try to get a lot of things done before Max gets up. So I think that's part of it too, that you want to make sure once he's up, you've got your full attention on getting him ready and having your morning chats and getting him fed and out the door. Um, You're a great mom. So I think it's trying to fit all the other things
0: in before Max gets up. Well, I so appreciate that. There's nothing worse than like being halfway through a workout or halfway through something and you hear, "Mom, is that you? Are you up? And it's like, yeah, I am. and now you are too. <laughs> can you <laughs> Can you go just sit and watch TV for just a minute? This is my time. What are you doing up at 545? <laughs> right? Oh, I can only imagine. I think it's interesting. It was uh, National Son and Daughters Week was this week, and it'll be last week when this airs. But I was watching all these posts on you know on social media days we didn't know existed. I was like, oh, now we have these days. Are isn't every day for our children? You know, mm-hmm. Mother's Day, Father's Day, those are special days. But I was watching all of you know our friends, our colleagues posting all these things about you know I'm so happy to have my son, my daughter. And it, it really resonated with me because I do think a lot of, you know, my why, which I've shared a thousand times publicly is really just, you know, my son and spending more time and spending more time with my family and not being on airplanes every other week and having the ability to do all of those things. But increasingly, we are hearing that from our clients because our client base is getting younger and or they said, I wish I would have done this 20 years ago. That was the best time to do it. And it's just been an interesting transition for us to work with people that are continually wanting to spend more time with their families.
1: Well, I think especially, you know, COVID gave everybody that halt of traveling. You know, we went from traveling two times a month. People that I know travel every single week on business. And when COVID hit, that stopped. And I think people realized how nice it was to be at home and be with their families more.
0: It definitely put things in perspective. And I think it also made it a reality that we don't have to be on airplanes to do work all the time. You know, it's nice mm-hmm. to see colleagues, it's nice to do those things. But I think what it really helped everybody realize is that there's a lot we can do from our living rooms and offices and be incredibly productive people. And then still be there, you know, to have dinner together and go to games and do all of those things. And you don't have to discount one to have the other.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I think finding that balance, being able to kind of have it all. I've said that a few times on the podcast, but I really believe that you can make it all happen. Family and friends and business and and work-life balance takes some hard work, but you can make it all happen.
0: I think that is an absolutely great way to introduce our guest today because she's making it all work. She has it all. And when we... When I think about Andrea Garrett-Kiesling, I remember when I first started in franchising with Redbox Plus, I met Andrea, and it's been a long time now, but I was just taken aback by her business sense, and she was just so well put together. And I remember thinking, now that is somebody that I would want to be friends with. And I'm so happy to have you here, Andrea. She's a business coach. She's a mom. She is still involved in the franchise arena. Thanks for joining us today.
2: Oh, well, thank you both, Sam and Brittany. And um, that was quite an introduction. I'm so flattered. Thank you. And, and back at you. I was remembering um, first meeting you in the franchise space, being one of the only women also in the room. So I think we I just naturally gravitated towards you and was just totally, totally impressed by your knowledge of the franchise industry and also your willingness to get into at the time, which was Redbox Plus, the this uh, very glamorous uh, <laughs> franchise space. <laughs> so anyway, back at you. Thank you so much.
1: We are thrilled to have you and Sam and I call ourselves, you know, the trash and toilet Queens. We've worked on a lot of trash brands. So uh, it's great to meet another trash and toilet queen.
2: So (laughs) It's a title I'm so proud of. (laughs) Good. Good. I'm so
1: glad. Well, Thank you for being here, and we'd love to have you kick off
2: just telling us a little bit about your background and what led you to
1: franchising.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you again for the invitation. I am I am honored to be part of, of this and what you all are doing. I've just totally admired all of the work that you've put in, so happy to be here, and absolutely. So I I grew up and I currently live in West Virginia. I was raised by business owners, which gave me a very unique perspective and skill set also a pretty certain path to becoming an entrepreneur myself and the state economics in west virginia make it almost necessary to be careful i say this to create your own success i mean it's very difficult to luck into a good job or an opportunity in a place like this you have to be very intentional and disciplined and also relational and realistic. And so of course, success is something that can be created by everyone, but possibly much more so in a very remote area. (laughs) So I do have an undergrad and an MBA, but honestly the best education that I've been exposed to is quite easily my business experience. I mean, the best way to figure something out is to not have an alternative. And um, I'm sure this is probably true for most people, but I am highly motivated when there is no plan B, like it's just do or die. During, during grad school, I moonlighted as a, as a personal trainer, I didn't make much money. So uh, I tried working for an insurance agency and I realized driving to work one day that I would rather be driving to jail and spending my time. There versus you know not having the ability to make decisions or any control or freedom or take the risks that I wanted to and so I realized that's that's probably um, pretty dramatic but uh, it did motivate me and so shortly following that experience uh, we opened our first franchise which was Five Star Painting we opted to go the franchise route because we wanted the freedom of business ownership but. I think at that age, I think we were like early 20s, like maybe 22, 23, something like that. So it wasn't totally confident to do it alone. I also wanted the protections of existing brand awareness, you know, proven process, support, et cetera, all the reasons that you you know, want to franchise. And so I like the full framework that was in existence that I could also kind of safely operate in but also have that autonomy and freedom of an entrepreneur so we built five-star painting operated it for several years ended up selling it after that opened redbox plus which is the combination uh, dumpster and portable toilet concept then i moved to the corporate level within redbox plus focusing on primarily business development and from there transitioned to being a business coach for first Red Box plus franchisees exclusively, and now I operate my own business. Uh, I serve primarily women and multi-unit franchise owners, and I've really settled into this role. I love championing others with shared interests and values and helping them find freedom and fulfillment in business
0: ownership. That is quite a trajectory, and I think (laughs) starting in franchising so young is interesting, and I think it's something we all have in common, and you don't hear that that often, and it's, it just is interesting. Everybody has that moment that sticks out in their mind. And, you know, driving to jail, I think that resonates with so many of us. We are like, I cannot go back to that place again. I don't think that that is going to work for me. Yeah. And, You've truly been on a lot of sides of the franchise world. You've been a franchisee. You've worked for a franchisor. So I would love to hear from you, what do you think makes a great franchisee? And alternatively, what makes a great franchisor?
2: Mm, that's a great question. And that's something I spend a lot of time thinking about too, um, Being having had the experience of both a franchisee and then also being on the franchisor side. So I would say for a franchisee um, from a franchisor perspective would be clear expectations. I mean, franchisees typically opt to operate under a franchise for several reasons, but in my mind, one of the biggest reasons is to mitigate risk. You know, they want autonomy, but within the protections of a proven model, they want the support, the marketing, the tech, the branding, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And when franchisees do not fully understand the commitment and their necessary role within the franchise, in my experience, that's where the biggest problems spin from, and also, you know, secondary to that would just be like the the coachableness uh, as a franchisee. I think that's so important—just the willingness to learn, to adapt, you know, to be taught. In my mind, those are those are probably the the most important things. And then, from a franchisor perspective, number one would be a uh, clear communication just honest timely um, communication I think uh, from my feedback from franchisees that I've heard and also being a franchisee myself that's certainly appreciated. number two would be just the willingness to be constant uh, constantly adaptable this ever evolving mentality and that includes you know technology, accountability, communications but most importantly in my mind processes. And, you know, the constant improvement in revisions to data backed proven processes that is so important. And actually, I might want to change my answer to that being number one. But um, yeah, the processes. Well, I think process on both
1: sides is so important. You know, the franchisor needs to have great process in place. Franchisees have to be willing to follow a process as we take our clients through our process. Um, One of the things that we share with them is of course, you need to look at the financials. You need to make sure the numbers check out, but you have to really focus on the leadership team because you're in a long-term relationship with them. So I think those are all great points that you've made. Now I have to go back to the trash. So tell us (laughs) what made you move from the painting industry to the trash industry? What caught your attention there and um what what made you decide that you know trash was the next move it can be a tough business
2: yeah so it might surprise you as glamorous as it is but I wasn't necessarily looking for an opportunity in the waste industry. More so I was looking for something that met uh, a few specifications that we identified as important. Those included a high barrier to entry, you know, a unique concept, a patented or proprietary element, few employees. It was B2B, simple, you know, from an operational perspective. But then paired with that, we were also looking at current market trends and just kind of extrapolating. So the waste industry, generally speaking, is, is pretty convoluted. But Redbox Plus is, is a very unique design and allows much more streamlined experience for the consumer, which obviously set it apart. And because I was living in Charlotte, North Carolina at the time, and it was booming, you know, growth and expansion, it was just a clear choice. Also, the waste industry is not going anywhere. It's a necessary part of, you know, infrastructure, growth and innovation. So it it felt like a, a very, a very safe, safe bet.
0: That's so true of a lot of businesses that we're seeing that are really taking off right now, because I think in the back of our minds, we're still hearing recession. Is it going to be a soft landing? What does that look like? So that's incredibly timely as we talk about things with our clients right now, the proprietary and the patent, the B2B, that built-in clientele, recurring revenue, all of those things very much come up for us on a day-to-day basis. Now, you made an exit And I think when we work with clients, a lot of them have the intention of making an exit because not every child in a family wants to be handed down, you know, be the trash Mm -hmm. king or queen of Charlotte or Nashville. You know, you can't count on that. So you exited that business. What was that like? Tell us about making an exit from those franchises.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I, it was difficult for me to give up that title, you know, queen of the, of the, um, the trash <laughs> um just kidding. I was ready to, to hand that off, but, um, you know we we made the exit for for a couple of reasons um one was actually the biggest reason was to actually change over to the corporate side so we we swapped and became part of Redbox Plus headquarters and so in order to do that we were, we were traveling a ton helping other locations open all over the country doing doing that and just made sense at one point to just say we have to give up this business to be able to move to the corporate side so we can serve people at a much bigger capacity. So luckily this wasn't the first experience with selling and I had learned a few things this time around. So we had used a, we used a business broker, but I was very hopeful that we could find, you know a specific person that could get very excited about uh, the trash, the waste industry, about the model and, and capitalize on the potential because there was still so much. And of course the vetting process took some time on both ends but we were fortunate to find that person and he continues to do really well in the market. I tend to look at this as like a, a legacy. You know, we put some serious sweat equity into the business, developing the playbook. You know, and it was all from trial and error. So, like when I say sweat equity, like I absolutely mean that in every sense of the word. We understood operations, designing the process. We had to learn all the nuances of the waste industry. We invested a lot. Um, I had a lot of pride tied up in the in the cell as well. So it's it's honestly it's so cool to go back to to Charlotte and see the red box bus dumpsters around. So it was it was uh it was a very positive. Positive experience.
1: And now you're you're looking at opportunities again with Sam. So I have to know, you've successfully been a franchisee twice now. What made you decide to work with a consultant as you look for your your next investment in addition to your consulting business?
2: I think I know only enough to be dangerous in decision making in the franchise industry um, because there are so many cool concepts and unique brands it would be very easy for me to, to make some, some decisions as to which direction to go. And, and honestly, I only know a few industries very well. There are so many more that I'm completely unaware of. So leveraging my knowledge of or leveraging the knowledge of a a, you know one of you guys as a consultant whose job it is to know every industry just makes a lot of sense for me. I mean, it really takes an expert in franchising to be able to guide an individual through a curated and tailored process to, you know, truly arrive at the perfect fit. And working with the consultant provides the connections, the sounding board, the suggestions. All unique to my skill set, interests, and budgets, and that's something I think that Franpath does an excellent job of—is just getting to know the individual well enough, along with their, you know, your and um, and Sam's careful knowledge of all the brands to be able to precisely pair the two. And so, truly, it's an it's an excellent way to avoid a potential future disaster story. And also, why not? I mean, take advantage of the knowledge and, and passion uh, that you you guys have for the space. I really appreciate that, and.
0: I think when you came through my inbox, I was like, oh, wow. It was a compliment to us because you do know so much about the industry. You have been a multi unit franchisee multiple times. So when somebody comes back to the well again and they want a consultant and they choose us, that is the ultimate compliment. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate you saying that because things are changing, industries change, things shift. What we might think was fantastic, I mean, I was in brick-and-mortar nutrition was where I started in franchising. (laughs) That sounds like a dinosaur farm Mm -hmm. right now. (laughs) You know, what was a great idea in 2010 may not be a great idea in 2022 and beyond. So as you think about business ownership in the future and that's the path that you're choosing for yourself again, what appeals to you now knowing what you know from your experiences?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, and I think I could answer that very easily by saying freedom. in In the discipline, I, I like the discipline that it takes to achieve the freedom. And if I were to expand, I would also include responsibility. I mean, it's the ultimate outcome of the business is all on me, and not just that, but I have the ability to create exactly what I want. You know, the general enjoyment of day to day and how well I can balance the fluidity of life's demands. I mean, as a as a mom. Um, Also, the success and satisfaction of all my employees, of all of my customers, there's always room for improvement, for growth. It's also always possible to fail. And then also potential. I mean, that's what creates in me this refusal to to settle because potential is the X factor. There's no cap. There are no restrictions. And for me, that's the hook. Are you
0: looking at it differently now? Just from the perspective of being a parent this time around, I know we talked at the top of the hour about that. Are you looking at it any differently than when you analyzed your first business or your second business being a mom of three now?
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, certainly there are a lot of, there's only so much of me now. Um, so I have to be smart about how I invest my time. Um, but then, of course, it's all for them. So I, I look at it through a different perspective now of knowing, you know, I'm smarter now, um, having had the experiences that I've had. I also have a great network of people that I draw, you know, their opinions and, and help from. And so, yes, I mean, it's, it's all for them. Um, I am uniquely motivated as a mom to, to be sure that I uh, create a lot of efficiencies in my time so I can be available for them, but I'm also setting up, you know, their future.
1: I think that legacy piece, the freedom, the balance, thinking about your kids, your family, your future, those are all common themes we hear amongst our clients. So I have to imagine, you know, being a multi-unit, multi-brand franchisee, working for a franchise or being a business coach, you've surrounded yourself with some pretty incredible people. So at some point, you've probably received a piece of advice that really stuck with you. So tell us, What's the best piece of advice that you've ever received?
2: Yeah, that's a tough one because I love listening to other people's experiences and lessons learned. I mean, there's so much advice that I've collected over the years, but just thinking through that question, I think two things that have stuck stuck with me the most. Um, number one, Marie Forleo says, everything is figure outable. That is my personal mantra. Um, and then the second one is a quote by Henry Ford, which I love. And he says, um, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. And uh, my life experience proves that is quite accurate.
0: (laughs) Mindset is everything. And there truly is not many things that you can't figure out. And once you learn that, I Definitely empowers you to look at things differently. I love Marie Forleo too. I love B School. She's just a fantastic person to watch. If anybody's listening to this and you are not turned on to her, I would strongly suggest following her. She's another fantastic leader in the business space. Yeah. So you've given us a lot of reasons. Freedom boils down to legacy. What is your personal compelling reason? owning a business if you had to give us just the the tip of the iceberg exactly
2: what it is Mm. um you know i think uh growing up i watched my parents experience freedom unlike a lot of my peers and i also watched them experience times of intense stress hard work sleepless nights uncertainty all of that and the same has been true for my own experience and all of that sweat equity is just part of the process but it's also what makes it extremely rewarding Um, So I just think that back to that, that freedom concept, the combination of that and gratification from business ownership is what compels my interest and just drives my commitment to this lifestyle. And I also want my children to learn the same lessons. I mean, I want them to see that same ROI.
0: It's a different type of ROI, you know, the personal ROI that you get from it being is. a business owner and and doing those things. Brittany's mom was a franchisor, and so we talk very often about how she's emulated that. Mm-hmm. And I do think for people that don't have children, the ROI is something different too. It's time. It's being able yeah. to vacation. It's doing those things and, and really teaching others. There's mm-hmm. so many things business ownership brings Besides a profit, the profits are great. I mean, that is <laughs> that can't be ignored. That's how you get freedom. <laughs> so That's right. it's a nice little byproduct. <laughs> absolutely. So I just want to say thank you so much for taking time. I know how busy you are. Andrea is closing on a house today. She came here. She got here first, and so we are just so appreciative of you joining us to to really talk to our listeners about your personal experience.
2: Oh, likewise. Thank you for the opportunity. It is my pleasure. Thank you so much. We appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you, Sam and Brittany.
0: So if you'd like to learn more about franchising and diversifying your portfolio through franchising, email us at info at franpathconsulting.com. Follow the Franpath Consulting Podcast on Apple or Spotify. Please rate and review us five stars. You can also follow us on Instagram at Franpath, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Franpath Consulting, or go to our website, Franpathconsulting.com to take your free business assessment.